the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. It's June, which means the Diamondbacks might have to start making some tough decisions. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher on the Ain't No Fang podcast. And when we get to this point in the season, it is kind of where you know what you are as a team and who you are as a player. And organizations need to start making decisions before the trade deadline at the end of July. So I ask you, Cody Fincher, what exactly are the Diamondbacks coming to realizations when it comes to pieces that might need to be moved? I mean, I don't know if we're too early or if they're... I'm sure they're thinking about it, right? They have to. Mike Hazen and company, they have to think about it's that It's your stuff. job. Yeah, and... I mean, the the trade deadline is usually on the 31st. I don't think that changed. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's around the same time if it's different. Yeah. So we're about a month and a half away or so, give or take a couple days. But, I mean, they have some. Okay, let's just say, because right now, the Diamondbacks are 26 and 27. They are, as we speak, about to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. In In game two of their series on the road. Yes. Yep. They are 26 and 27 as we record this podcast. They are three games out of that third wild card spot because remember now with the new CBA, they expanded the playoffs and there's the third wild card team. I don't like it, but I understand. Nah, I don't really it. like it either, but it gives a chance for teams like the Diamondbacks that would would never even sniff the playoffs if it was the same format. Right. And now they can they're only three games out of that last wild card spot, so like that affects teams you know selling and if you want to say tanking i don't know but um right now they're pretty close so i don't know they're they're under 500 but i don't know if they're you know they're going to be sellers or buyers like there's but they have a lot of intriguing names don't they if they decide to sell they have a lot of intriguing names that other teams might want uh, just this week, ESPN Plus and also The Athletic, I read two different pieces that basically labeled the Diamondbacks organization as if they're in the similar position or worse, they will be sellers. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is depending on the big if, you know, if they play a little bit better, maybe you're right. Maybe they're contending for one of those wild card spots. And I don't know if the fan base could forgive them if they traded a bunch of guys while they were in playoff contention. I don't know that that would happen. Yeah. But you're right. They have some interesting names. So I'll I'll just throw all of them on the table right here. Every name. And then we can go through them. Okay. So I think you're going to get starting pitching rumors. Yeah. Which includes Madison Bumgarner, who's your biggest contract Mm -hmm. and has has played really well to start the season. Merrill Kelly, another guy in his 30s who's started really hot this season. You're going to get bullpen rumors. Mark Melanson, who led the league in saves last year, by the way, is doing really well in the saves category this year. He's just awful in every other scenario. Yeah, yeah. Ian Kennedy will get some looks from their bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Mantiply got some, Left, some rumors. A left-handed reliever that is pitching really well. Yeah, Joe Mantiply could be the one of those guys. Uh, seemingly every year for the last couple of years, we've talked about David Peralta, who's mm-hmm. in his mid-30s. And is a left-handed corner outfield bat. Expiring contract. And a pretty good fielder. Uh, you're going to get rumors on Christian Walker because he is destroying baseballs. He's hitting like 200, but yeah, he's got but he 13 home homers. He's got a lot of power. And um, a pretty good defensive first baseman, too. I think those are the big ones you're going to get. Yeah. Um, let's start with the starting pitchers. Okay. Um, Madison Bumgarner. Let's just, let's just start off with the big, big name right off the bat. Mad Bum is an intriguing name. 
um, if the Diamondbacks decide to sell. Um, just I'll say it personally right now, I think it's too early to decide it, but let's just say. If you can find a partner, a trade partner, to help you get off that contract a little bit, because the Diamondbacks will probably have to pay a little bit of the salary. That's just kind of how these things work. Um, they did that with Granky, right? Yeah, they did. And uh, I don't know how much they're paying still on Granky, but they'll probably have to pay some on Mad Bum because he is a starting pitcher over 30. He's still got a couple years left on his contract um, in the $20 million range, so he'll probably have to pay something. But if you can get off that contract for the most part, then I think you do it because it will free up other things for you. I think I asked you this question last year at the deadline. I'm going to ask you again, basically the same question. Let's say a team comes to you and says, we'll take Madison Bumgarner off your hands, which is essentially what you're talking about with the money situation. We will take all of the contract, but you get nothing in return. So maybe you get like a low level prospect that, you know, like not a great chance of turning out. Yeah. Or, or or you get what they call cash considerations, which is just a little bit of money, but they wouldn't do that because he's making a ton of money. So what if a team, what if the Giants come calling and the Giants are in contention? It's a division rival, and they say, we will take Madison Bumgarner off of your hands, but you get nothing in return other than the salary off See, your books. I don't think that's going to happen because that is a scenario for when, like like the last couple years where Madison Bumgarner has not been pitching well. Like that's just like, yeah, we'll take him but you get nothing, you know? We'll just, we'll we'll help you out. Madison Bumgarner this year is pitching well. And there might be teams that actually instead of just saying, "Okay, we'll just take half the salary and get off the your help you get off his contract and maybe we'll get something out of him." I think this year, since he is pitching so well, you would still get something in return because there's value to him this year. He's a left-handed starting pitcher. He's pitching well. He's got that playoff experience, that World Series experience. I think he's, one, what, two-time World Series champion? I was going to say three. Maybe three. I don't know if he was on all three of those teams. I'm not teams. sure. I, don't, I, don't I think thought he it was, was three. I don't think he was on the first one when Buster Posey was a rookie. I think he was on the next two, though. Okay. Um. Anyway, but... Uh, I'll look it up. I have a computer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Do something. I don't know why useful. we always look at each other and we're like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Well, I don't want to rely on technology. <laughs> I want to know things. You um, keep going. I'll look it up. Uh, so anyway, but <laughs> um, I I think that you would get something for Matt of Madison Bumgarner. Yes, it would be, and a lot of it would be salary relief. It would because he is making a lot of money. Could you get more than you got for Granky, or or would it be less? Mm. Because remember, Granky was expensive. They had to eat a lot of that contract themselves. But, but they, they got, got back four got guys who have all been prospects. at the major league level since then. Um, and they were all pretty like that's a good question. They were all prospects that were da- like they weren't down the road. They were like triple A, double A guys. Yeah. Um, it took Bukowskis a little time to get there. It took Seth Beer a little time to get there. But Corbin Martin didn't take too long because he was injured. So he and sat out Josh a year. Rojas is here. Ro- Rojas was almost immediate yeah. into the major league. He was the throw-in guy. So um, can you I, get more or a, less than the Granky do? That's a good question. Um, He's a little cheaper than Granky. I don't know. Yeah, he is cheaper. Maybe you... I don't think you would get four prospects back. I guess it just depends on who you're, you're, you're trading with. 
are they just like, who cares about prospects? We're going like the Astros. I felt like, remember their owner was like, really, we're going to hold up this trade for Zach Granke because of some guy named Josh Rojas. Who cares? Right. Because they were going for the World Series. That was uh, Jim Lane. I think the yeah the owner right name. yeah I don't remember he was his like name. who is this guy just throw him who in we hell, don't need him who the hell is Josh Rojas and, just do it you know on some level when you're getting back a guy like Zach Granke or a Madison Bumgarner yeah I totally agree with him yeah. like that that should not be the holdup but Josh Rojas is a pretty good utility player uh, he's so, probably going to be the third baseman for a while I think that it just depends on a lot of that like are you dealing with a team that is World Series or bust. And they don't really care about prospects, or but are or are you dealing with a team that's like, yeah, we want to try to make the playoffs this year, and we'll just eat some salary and keep Madison Bumgarner because of his pedigree. By the I way, don't know. Three time champion, three times he was there for champion. all three. Oh, all right, yeah, three time right. champion, and I think it uh, deserves to be mentioned two time Silver Slugger. Well, that doesn't matter anymore, Steve. <laughs> there is the DH now. Well, you know, um, also World Series so MVP. Yeah, so. Madison Bumgarner is an interesting name. It's going to come up. I think, like, the last couple of years, it's been basically like, no, he's not getting traded because he's not pitching well and he costs too much. Who's going to trade for him? And what are you going to get back? And Probably nothing. But this year, it's a little different because he is pitching better. Um, Merrill Kelly is an interesting name. They just signed him to that extension. That two year deal, I two two year deal, I think it was, and uh, he's, I mean, he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He was having an unreal um, April. He was pitching so well in April, and he just kind of came back down to earth recently. I don't know what you get for a guy like that either. Um, he is on a pretty team friendly contract. If I'm not mistaken, I see you have it pulled up in front of you. Yeah, I pulled up his contract just now. So Merrill Kelly is 33 years old this season, making roughly $5.5 million. Next season, 8.3. The following year, 8.3. Mm. And then 2025 has a club option for $7 million. So he's on a pretty team-friendly deal, wouldn't you say? Uh, Two-year, $18 million. So that's deal, not bad. It's, roughly. It's you know, $9 million a year. Yeah, um, for a starting pitcher who is serviceable, I think that's a pretty good one. And um, he doesn't spend a lot of time injured. No, you know, you know you hear about like innings eaters. Yeah, he's an innings. He's eater. an innings eater, but he's actually played better than an innings eater. He, he this has, year. and like I said, his April was outstanding. Like he was unbelievably good for what you know what they're paying him. But he's he has come back down to earth recently. He could be a um, good four or five spot guy sure. in a contending rotation. Sure. Um. Zach Davies, I don't know what you'd get for Zach Davies. He's okay. I think the only reason you would trade Zach Davies is if you feel like, okay, he's not going to be around he's next not, year. I, I don't, or I, we want to get a look of another guy. Yeah, like a Corbin Martin. Yeah. For the love of God. I know. You've been saying Give that for months. Corbin Martin in the rotation, please. <laughs> please. Anyway, yeah. um, I agree with that. Zach Davies is probably not... Um, a part of the next great Diamondbacks team. I don't think Mary Keller, Mer- Merrill Kelly, Mary is. Keller. Sorry, I don't think <laughs> I don't think Merrill Kelly is either. Yeah, I don't know about that either. I mean, like you said, he might be a good four or five guy if you have other options. Um, so yeah, that's the starting pitchers. Was there another starting pitcher no, on there? No. no, then bullpen is yeah. interesting because I think that other teams might look at Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy for the same reasons that the Diamondbacks acquired them is because they have closing experience. Yes, they're older guys, but they're relatively cheap. Although Melanson makes about $7 million a year, and he's yeah. under contract next season. So if you trade for Melanson, 
You got to keep him. Right. And I think, like I was going to say, I think it's way harder to trade Mark Melanson because he is older. Yes, he is. He led the league in saves in 2021. He's actually been really good in save situations this year. And really bad and, in others. Yes. Uh, don't pitch him. <laughs> don't pitch him when you don't have the lead in the ninth, okay? Um, Ian Kennedy, you could probably trade Ian Kennedy. He's still pretty good. Um, he does have closing experience uh, here, Philadelphia, Texas. He's Kansas City, I think. Yes, Kansas City. Yeah, he has closed games. He knows how to do it. He has he has the mentality for it. So maybe you can get a guy. And then you brought up an interesting name earlier, Joe Mantiply. That's an interesting name. He's been really good. He has been really good for the Diamondbacks. There was a stretch there where he hadn't didn't a long appearance streak of not giving up a run. I will openly admit, I thought that the bullpen had a glaring need for a left-handed reliever at the beginning of the season, and I thought Caleb Smith would be that guy, who's been a pretty good left-handed reliever in his time with the Diamondbacks. It's just he was so bad in his starting performances, yeah. and this season he has fallen apart. Yeah. Um. So that narrative is out the window, but Joe Manaply, I didn't really look at twice, you know what I mean? Like going into the season. Well, and they, and they, he's been fantastic. And they tried to bring in Oliver Perez too, and that didn't work out at all. Um, Joe Mantiply yeah, has pitched great. in 24 games, 21 innings. His ERA is 0.43. Oh my goodness. What's Half his, a run. What's his whip? His whip is 0.86. Unbelievable. He's been so He's incredible. Good. He's and he's a lefty. so good, dude. Like, he doesn't throw hard or anything, but the dude knows how to pitch. Yeah, I mean, 18 strikeouts in 17 and, uh, in 21 innings is not that impressive, but no, he doesn't strike a lot of people out. But he gets he, them out. Yeah, um, it's and crazy. That's all you want. You want three outs, right? His fielder independent pitching is really um, low. I, I still think left-handed relievers have value in this league. I know there's the whole three batter. Hold minimum. up a sec. Wait, what? 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 Joe what? Mantiply oh has one walk. This year? He has walked one hitter. <laughs> I just, I was looking at his numbers and I was like, okay, these numbers are pretty pedestrian so... in terms of like stuff, right? <laughs> and then I got to strikeouts per walk and it says 18. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. And then I looked at the walk column. He has one walk. Yeah. He's been good. My goodness. I'm telling you. I mean, if you want to find a reason why he's doing so well, it's because he's controlling the strike zone. Correct. He's going at guys. And still getting him out. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know who wouldn't be interested in Joe Mantiply. And, and even with, like I was saying, the, even with the uh, three batter rule, three batter minimum rule, right? I think left-handed relievers are still very valuable. Oh, totally. It's They're not as valuable as they used to be, where you can bring a left-hander in for one batter and then take them out. Right. But, I mean... There's still you, there's still a plethora of really good left-handed hitters in this league that you need left-handed relievers and left-handed pitchers to get out. Well, and if I'm doing my math right, he's pitched in 24 games but only pitched 21 innings, so he's pitching less than one inning per outing. Yeah, Tori's been. You know what I mean? Tori's been. He's been using the DH to his advantage there, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have um, Ian Kennedy pitch one and a third innings and then after he gets that first guy out in the seventh I'm going to take him out and bring in Joe Manaply. right I just think he's been so strong I think that 
for different reasons, you would acquire the Diamondbacks relievers. Mark Melanson, it's probably based on the career he's had and sure. based on his reputation with closing out games. If you don't have a closer or maybe yours is injured, maybe that's an option for you. Uh, and you probably wouldn't have to give up much to get him because yeah. of his salary. Ian Kennedy, kind of similar. Joe Mantiply? I mean, if I'm the Diamondbacks, I want something back for Joe Mantiply. Yes. He's been something. He's it doesn't so mean good. you're going to get a great prospect or, or an A-list prospect, but I want something back for Joe Mantiply yeah, because he's been great. He's been outstanding this year, man. And by the way, it's he's crazy. 31. He's not super yeah, young. No, but he, he's... He's but been with, really, really with good. age, though, I feel like age doesn't, you know, isn't as important with relievers, right? I mean, yeah, Mark I mean, Melanson's still getting paid. He's yeah. 40 years old. Yeah, if you can find Oliver, a way to do Oliver it. Oliver Perez is still getting opportunities. <laughs> True. Just not with the Diamondbacks. Right. Um, um, so but, anyway, that's the bullpen. I, I, I think there's a couple options there that people right. might look at. Let's move on to the position players. Can we start with uh, Christian Walker? Yes, let's do that. Because he's having a bit of an anomaly of a season. He's hitting roughly 200, just above the Mendoza line. And he has, what, 13 home runs now? 14, I believe. 14 home runs. Crushes the Dodgers in L.A. Um, Has been hitting with a ton of pop. And it's not to be unexpected. I mean, when he came up at age 28, after uh, Paul Goldschmidt was traded, he held his own in comparison to Goldschmidt in that first season. And you and I were both pretty surprised by that. It turns out Paul Goldschmidt is having a down year. But, yeah, yeah. It turns out Paul Goldschmidt is still no, otherworldly. Walker hit thirty home runs in that in that first year in twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, he's always been capable yeah. of being a twenty five homer or more kind of guy in a full season. I, I think, and he's really coming into it this year. I think Christian Walker is an interesting name. Because, okay, let's let's just rephrase. This is all. Let's just say the Diamondbacks decide that they're going to sell. Like the things don't go well until the you know. Oh yeah, this is all predicated on the sure. idea that they're who not they competitive. can trade away. Christian Walker is an interesting name because I mean, just looking at his contract, he's thirty-one right now. He has two years of arbitration left, so you can keep him for cheap, or trade him away to another team that wants to keep him for cheap. So I mean, he's making two point six million dollars right now. And then he has arbitration through 2024. Then he's a free agent in 2025. And like, yeah, he doesn't, his average, he doesn't hit for a good average. But man, when he hits the ball, it's going a long way. You know, but the last three seasons, I know his average right now is 211. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last three seasons, 244, that's okay. If you're you're hitting for pop, that's okay. Yeah. 271, 259. I mean, it's not awful. He's not an off. He's not a Joey Gallo where you know he's going to hit 200 every year, right? But hit 25 or 30 home runs or more, right? Um, but here's another possible downside for his trade market. I think there's other options that people might look at at first base. Trey Mancini might be available from Baltimore, yeah, and that's a guy who also has a ton of pop. I mean, we saw him in the home run derby, mm-hmm. um, and also he kind of has some more positional flexibility. Yeah, maybe not a great fielder, but he at least plays other positions. Yeah. So that might hurt Christian Walker's trade value. But again, another guy in his 30s that the Diamondbacks probably won't have him around for their next great Diamondbacks team in a couple of years. Yeah, I think he he might be a guy that if they decide to sell that they could get something for, like just because he's hitting home runs. He hits a lot of home runs. Another reason that maybe he's semi-expendable, you have other first base options in the organization. Paven Smith, Seth Beer... I would like to see Paven Smith at first base. Me too. Eventually. I mean, we've talked about down the road, your outfield evolves. I mean, hopefully it's Varsho in left, uh, some combination of Corbin Carroll in center, Alec Thomas in right. 
hopefully down the line that's what it looks like and that moves Paven Smith back to his natural position at first base I think that's the right thing to do Seth Beer is probably more of a DH but could play some first base so that might play into the decision whether or not you let a guy like Walker go yeah I think that's that's pretty much the crux of the discussion around Walker. What about a guy like David Peralta? There's plenty of teams that could use a left-handed bat at he's, corner outfield. And he's um, what makes him more valuable, too. He's on an expiring contract. This is his last year. Let me throw this idea at you. Toronto. If, okay. Because I think the pie-in-the-sky idea for Toronto was Juan Soto. Like, could we pair? Really? Well... If you're if you need a left-handed bat, which let's be honest, they do. That whole team is right-handed. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, like pretty much everyone yeah, on that team is right. right-handed. Yeah. So yep. if you're Toronto and you're trying to capitalize on the moment, the moment is now. Yeah, they're good. And you already have a top ten player in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think Bo Bichette is probably a top ten player at his best. If you have all that going for you, you're gonna go pie in the sky you're going to try to get the best left-handed hitter available and that would have been Juan Soto but they said this week we are not trading him so with that off the table would a cheaper option for a year be David Peralta we know that Toronto has a pretty good farm system we know they have some guys in the in the, in the system that could be moved I'm not saying you're going to get a great prospect for Peralta but maybe that's a fit and if it's not the the Blue Jays, we know there are other teams that could use a left-handed bat that can hit somewhere between three and six in yeah. the lineup yeah and I think that's what Peralta could be for somebody. The only left-handed hitting outfielder that I can think of that Toronto has is Rymel Tapia. Because Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is right-handed, George Springer is right-handed, and Teoscar Hernandez is right-handed. Uh, yeah, Springer, you mentioned, I mean, infield-wise, Bichette, Chapman, Guerrero, Chapman. Espinal, Espinal is he a left-handed I, I don't know what his hitting is. Kevin Biggio is a lefty, or is he a switch hitter? I don't know. I think he's, he's a left-handed hitter. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know if he's around anymore. Are they he is. Use, are yeah. they using it? He, he's not a starter, but yeah. he is. He's there. They but could yeah, use a left-handed bat. Yeah, they could. Uh, so maybe that's something. That, I mean, Peralta still val- he still plays a pretty good defensive left field. Um, he made a so. really nice catch in yesterday's game against the Pirates. Um, oh yeah, we were watching together yeah, when that happened. Yeah, he's good. He, he was a, like a sliding catch. It was a running sliding catch into the corner. It was really good. He's solid defensively, and he honestly like his offense. He, I think he had eleven home runs last year in twenty twenty one. He's already got nine this year so far. Um, so he's almost uh, he's almost tied his total from last year. Uh. And again, he's on that expiring contract, and that's valuable. He uh, he reworked his swing this season, or at least his stance, is his stance. and his and his swing a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it helped him. I think he eliminated some of the movement because you know uh, for a while he was kind of resting his bat on the shoulder, and then at the last second would kind of perk it up. Little little uh, a la Josh Hamilton, mm-hmm. it almost felt like, and uh, he kind of eliminated that from his swing, and I think it's I think it's looked really good. And so, for that reason, I think David Peralta might be enticing. I mean, I know he's hitting two forty five. It's not like his usual two ninety to three hundred yeah. in his prime, but that's that's an outfielder that I would consider. His OPS plus is one twenty five. He's playing way above the average left fielder. Yeah, he's he's been pretty good this year. So that's a name that I could definitely see. Um, anybody else that there, comes to mind for you? A, there was a couple names on Jeff Passan's list on the ESPN Plus article. 
he listed like 150 names to consider at the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of people. It was so many names. But there was a few Diamondback names on there. We've talked we've talked about most of them. By the way, Madison Bumgarner was not on his list, so I thought that was interesting. But we're, it's always... They not, may suspect that the contract is too Mad much. Bum's always going to come up, though, in trade discussions around the trade deadline. That's Trade fair. rumors, too. Yeah. Um, a couple names that he had on his list that intrigued me from the Diamondbacks. Um, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver. Um, he kind of divided them up into categories, and I can't remember what category they were in. I think Carson Kelly was in like the, I think he called it like the long term play option because you know Carson Kelly's young. And, I think and, that's a reason to keep him, isn't yeah. it? And then I don't know what why you would get rid Luke of Luke Weaver was that one intrigued me quite a bit. Um, let's start with Carson Kelly. Um, okay. I I don't see the Diamondbacks trading Carson Kelly. Um, and we talked a little bit about this on the Saturday show. He, it kind of, I don't know if it all depends on Dalton Varsho or not, but it kind of does. You have to decide where you want to play Dalton Varsho, don't you? Do you want him to be an outfielder? Do you want him to be a catcher? I would rather they make the decision based on Varsho than based on Kelly. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I mean, because I, they're two different types of catchers. Yeah. I think that Carson Kelly is a well-rounded catcher. He's Mario in Mario Kart. He's not particularly great at anything, but he's capable of everything. He can hit a little bit. Yeah. He can field a little bit. But he's not Yadier Molina. He's not super good at fielding. And he's not uh, Wilson Contreras, super good at hitting. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He's Mario. He's not Will Smith or anything. No. And, and if, wait, so, so wait. Who, then who is, which Mario Kart <laughs> character is Dalton Varsho? Uh, Yoshi? Probably because he's really fast. <laughs> because he's fast. Yeah, probably Yoshi. Uh, You're probably right about that. And then should, like a Yasmani should... Grandal is Bowser <laughs> yeah. because he can't move. He is super we should, slow. We should. I did not anticipate going this route. We but should do a whole podcast on this. I, I really want to do an article at ArizonaSports.com where we, if Diamondbacks <laughs> were Mario characters. Yeah, that'll go over well. That would be a fine. I'm um, going to pitch it, whether you like it or not. Okay. Um, but no, I think <laughs> my, my point is Carson Kelly's well-rounded, but not excelling in any one area. Yeah. Whereas Dalton Varsho brings an athleticism to the position that no other catcher has in the league. And Dalton Varsho, as a catcher, he's your leadoff hitter. Yep. He's hitting well. He's hitting yep. home runs, too. He is. Um, And he's got so much flexibility, you can put him in the outfield, too. Um, I think long term, I would like for them to have a solution at catcher that's not Varsho, and then have him be the long term left fielder. That's that my idea. That could happen. That's my ideal situation. But I don't, I don't feel particularly that... great about Carson Kelly being that guy. And I don't think, and like uh, Jose Herrera is a rookie, so I doubt they are like Jose Herrera is the future. No, um, he's he's good. He's they a good defensive catcher. They don't but... really have catchers in the system. Not really. Of note. Not really. Catchers of note. There's um, a lot of good catching prospects across baseball right now. Yeah. The Diamondbacks just don't have one of them. Right. Carson... But the idea was that Carson Kelly would be a young up-and-comer the last couple of seasons and yeah. it just kind of hasn't come to fruition. Carson Kelly, I mean, he only has two years left on his deal and their arbitration years through 2024. Then he's a free agent at the age of 30. Um, He's got to show something before then i like carson kelly as here's another analogy in in the nfl you've got how many running backs that are the guy like he is getting every touch guys like derrick henry derrick henry jonathan taylor alvin Kamara, 
Alvin Kamara. For Dalvin some, Cook. For some reason, still Ezekiel Elliott, even though he yeah, stinks. No, but not even him, because they, <laughs> they they do give some other guys touches. I know. But there's like four or five running backs in the in the NFL that you could say, that's the guy, he is the guy every every time, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same with catchers in the NFL or in the MLB. You have four or five guys who are like, that's gotta be my catcher every night because they're one of the best to do it. Wilson Contreras, Yasmani Grandal, uh probably on some level Salvador Perez before MJ Melendez showed up. Um, there's a handful of guys that are the guy. I don't think Carson Kelly is that. I think he's a nice complimentary catcher if you have another guy. Yeah. And right now it's Herrera out of necessity. Long term, I'd like to see them go get another catcher, like a like a really good defensive guy, like a like a Jacob Stallings, mm-hmm. who's awesome defensively, and and maybe you don't rely on him so much offensively. I mean, that's what I want out of the catcher position. Yeah, I don't want Carson Kelly to be relied upon to play 140 games. I want somebody who can maybe split it with him, like 70, 70, sure. 20, something like that. Another guy that was. On the list, and I mentioned it before, Luke Weaver was on Jeff Passan's name. That's to watch. not going to happen. And I'm like, who the heck is trading for Luke Weaver right now? What would you even The get? only like upside, you would get probably nothing. Cash considerations, maybe? I don't know. A low-level prospect? So this is the Robbie Ray deal all over Except again. Except for Luke Weaver is worse than Robbie Ray. Wow, He's not yeah. even playing. Um, but you got nothing for him. That so, was my point. But, but yeah, he's got, like, the only upside for someone trading for Luke Weaver would be, well, if we can get anything out of him he's a he, he comes pretty cheap he's got an arbitration year left if you want to keep him you don't have to keep him if you don't want um it sounds like Tori Lovello said yesterday that he's been uh throwing some pitches to live hitters so um I guess he's sort of on his way back it's it sounds like one of those things where it's like well they hope to get him back sometime this year um, but yeah, I don't think anyone's trading for Luke Weaver. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think, know. I don't think so. I'm assuming you're not going to get much in return. So here's what I would do with Luke Weaver. If, and when he returns this season, let's assume that happens. I think you throw him in the bullpen Yep. and you tell him, Hey, you're not a starter on this team anymore. And if he finds something in the bullpen, great. Yeah. And then next year, let's deal with that in arbitration and and bring him back. And because there's not a lot of long term pieces in the bullpen. We talked about three of them. One of them's like 39 years old. The other one's like 38. The Diamondbacks have never since Mike Hazen and company have taken over. They haven't really been that. That hasn't been their style of bullpen. They haven't had the longest. The like the the steady rock of the bullpen was Archie Bradley. Yeah. And he kind of accidentally found his himself in the bullpen because he wasn't supposed to be a reliever. Oh, he's top he's starting to pitching be, prospect in baseball. Yeah, and he was he did start games before he got hit in the face, and then he got hurt and came back as a reliever. And they found something special there uh, in 2017, and he's been a reliever ever since. Um, but that's been, that's not really been. They've had a new closer every year. Every year since Mike Hazen and his staff have taken over, it was Fernando Rodney, it was Brad Boxberger, it was Greg Holland, and now it's Mark Melanson. Every year. And I'm surprised they gave Melanson a two-year deal. It's way too committal <laughs> for them. So, I don't know. It, ready to get hurt again. It's just like, that's not been like, let's find this long, long, you know, rock 
piece that will be there forever in the bullpen. That just doesn't, that's not what they do. Last question for you about the trade deadline. They don't have an Araldus Chapman type oh, of guy. No, certainly not. Uh, last question I have for you on the trade stuff. Which player is their best trade chip? Who can they get the most for? Well, I guess being the best trade chip is two pronged. It's what can you, who can get you the most in return and who's the most uh, desirable? Um, I think there's a couple guys that would, I think it's, who's, I think it's Christian Walker and David Peralta. Okay. But who's number one? I think in your mind, I think it's Walker. If he keeps hitting home runs, if he keeps hitting home runs at this pace, I think it's him because you can keep him probably for cheap for two more years. If you wanted to, you don't have to, it's arbitration. You don't Teams don't have to op- offer players arbitration. They could just non-tender them a contract and let them walk. Um, my but, one concern but man, is... Peralta's real close. My one there. concern is, uh, and there's nothing you can really do about this, but my one concern is that none of these players are going to get a really big return. You don't have a star player that's going to hit no, free agency you that you're you moving. Don't. You're not trading Mookie Betts. Nope. You're moving guys that are cheap options in some cases that are in their 30s and you're looking to move off of them because you have another option coming and you're just looking to get something and so i'm 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 trying to pump the brakes a little bit for fans you're not getting big name prospects in return for these guys right this isn't like you're not getting top prospects this isn't like when you gave up two 18 year old prospects who are pretty good for starling Marte. you're not doing they're not it's not the inverse of that you're not the pirates in that situation no where you're getting those guys so I agree with you. I think it is Walker, especially because I think there's a couple contending teams who need first baseman. Yeah, um, I could see Milwaukee wanting a first baseman. There's teams that need the corner outfield bat too for Peralta. Yeah, I mean you're right. I think those two guys are the. I mean, I don't think I don't think you'd get much interest for Zach Davies. I don't know. Probably. I not. guess it, you know, but the the mantra is you can never have too much pitching. So. Maybe there is somebody that would want Zach Davies. Well, you're not Merrill, getting you Darvish. Merrill Kelly. Well, wasn't that the deal? Yeah. That was the deal originally. It was, I uh, mean, it wasn't a one for one, but he was a part was, of that deal. He was the major league piece in that yeah. deal. Um, but yeah, certainly so, prospects involved in everything. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the two guys that are going to garner the most interest if the Diamondbacks decide to sell are David Peralta and Christian Walker. Before we wrap up the podcast, Nick Ahmed got shut down this week. Yeah. He missed the beginning of the season with a shoulder injury. He did come back, and it's still nagging him, so they, I guess, are shutting him down for the time being. I don't really have a timetable on when to expect him back. Tori Lovello told the media before um, Friday's game against the Pirates that uh, Ahmed was still experiencing some discomfort in his shoulder, and the words he used were, they are shutting de- him down indefinitely. It's his throwing shoulder, isn't it? I, yeah, it is. That's a big good. problem for a shortstop. Not for, for Nick Ahmed. Either one would be for bad. For Nick but... Ahmed especially, because his calling card is his defense. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, and obviously you can't swing a bat with a shoulder discomfort, but... um. It's it's just not good, but the only bright side I can find from this is that we're going to see more of Herola Perdomo. I still, if he can start hitting a little bit more, sitting like two in the two teens. Yeah, I think. it's not been great. Um, he's still, he's been okay defensively. He's been good. He does do a couple things that make you go, "What are you doing, dude?" Like he he'll dive for a ball and get to it, and then he'll make this ridiculous throw that he should just never well, make. He's a twenty-two-year-old. I know. I mean, those Steve. things are going to happen. Sometimes. I know. I know you know that. But yeah, he's hitting two thirteen right now. 
but he's still got an on-base percentage of three thirty-three. So, I mean, if he hits just a little bit more, makes a little bit more solid contact, that on-base is probably three fifty plus. Yeah. And I know that I'm talking in hypotheticals, sure. but I mean, I'm interested to see more of Perdomo. Yeah, I, I, I want to see more of him too. And unfortunately, it comes at the expense of Nick Ahmed being hurt. But um, because Nick Ahmed was actually hitting pretty well when he came back, he was hitting like in the, you know, upper 200. So that's pretty good for Nick. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's too bad that he's, because we were talking about before how we think his, you know, his defense is kind of, trailed off a little bit it's I think slipped a, a little I think a lot of it had to do with his shoulder problem because this stems back to last year too um that's what well, he was injured with that and he got shut down last year as well so and Perdomo was the backup Perdomo, plan then too yep so it's a lot better yeah. than back in the day when Ahmed would go down and Josh Rojas had to play short all the time yeah because I don't love Josh Rojas at shortstop I like him in a lot of other positions but not that one and so yeah I'm I'm also intrigued to see more of Perdomo I think more opportunity is good for the young guy. I think he's going to improve. He's still improving as as a prospect, even though he's at the major league level. I think you and I are on the same page that Jordan Lawler, who was in uh, low A Visalia, I think, last I heard. Um, I think he's the future at the shortstop position, but he's several years away. I mean, they just picked him in the first round, I think fifth overall, if I remember right, um, last season. And he got injured almost immediately last season, and it was a shoulder injury, somewhat ironically. And then he just got injured again. He's got a what I think is a bone growth, a benign bone growth, and they don't have a timetable on him either, but they expect uh, him back this season, is what I read from uh, Nick yeah. Pecoro. I hope he's not another guy that just is injury-prone. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to that, other than I know he's been fantastic when he plays. Yes. that's I mean, that's much better than the alternative. But he's not going to be the shortstop for the Diamondbacks for a while, yeah. for a couple of years. So Perdomo needs to hold it over until then, if not supplant him as the future at shortstop. I think that's a little bit more of a long shot. Mm-hmm. And Nick Ahmed's got a $10 million deal next year. I mean, he's back and he's, I think, the most expensive position player in the entire organization right. next yeah, year. I think you're right. And so if he's not available or if the defense slips well, even a little bit more... tell is probably... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Now, yeah, you're right. Well, maybe not because of the it extension. Was, it was an extension, so I don't know what he was making this year. I'll look um, that up. But I mean, like you and I have talked about this. Ten million dollars a year is kind of the line that the Diamondbacks have drawn in the sand in past years. Yeah, it just like seems... once Robbie Ray hit ten million, they were like, okay, that's a little too much for that guy. Turns out he was much better than they thought. Um, they drew that line for a couple of other players. I mean, even Cattell before he got the extension, his first deal. They kind of capped it at twelve million a year, if yeah. I remember. Cattell is making eight million dollars this year. He makes eleven million in twenty three. Okay, thirteen and twenty four, sixteen and twenty five and twenty six, and then down to fourteen and twenty seven. The difference is so you said uh, eleven million next year. Yep. So he's making eleven million next year, and Nick Ahmed, his double play partner, is making ten. Yeah. I know Cattell is worth eleven. Yeah. I don't know that Nick Ahmed I, is worth ten. Yeah. I, at this point, it's not a ton so. of money. But he doesn't play offensively very well. It's kind of unfortunate that this is all happening with Nick, too, because obviously we're coming off the offseason where there were so many shortstops that were available in free agency. I mean, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, um, uh, 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 who else was there? Javi Baez. Seager Baez. Seager, yeah. uh, Not that the Diamondbacks were going to go out and spend, like Marcus Simeon, like... 
they they weren't going to go spend that type of money on these guys, probably. But the fact that you had Nick Ahmed already in there set to be your shortstop didn't help in that decision process either. But I mean, it kind of just made it. Okay. Hey, you know what? We're, we're going to, I'm not saying 10 million next year is insurmountable or that it's the end of the world. It's a, it's a lot for a guy who's just good at defense and doesn't really hit much. And if he's not available for a full season, I mean, that just hurts that discussion yeah so uh some bad news on nick ahmed being shut down because of his shoulder issues we i mean we wish him the best i want him to play and i want him to play well um it's just that availability is the best ability Mm -hmm. and i'm not disappointed to see a little bit more of perdomo i know the hitting isn't all there but he gets on base and i like that a lot in some other players so anyway um more news on the diamondbacks to come they are in pittsburgh Currently, as we speak, playing game two against Pittsburgh. Um, and the Pirates are kind of an interesting they, team as well. They have some winnable games in this upcoming road trip. Walk um, me through it. Uh, I will as soon as my stupid iPad <laughs> decides to load. That'd be really nice. You piece of garbage. Well, so they got today and tomorrow against Pittsburgh. Yep. And then they are. Then they head to... Oh, my gosh. This thing is so slow. Uh, they go to Cincinnati for four. Um, the Reds have actually been playing a little bit better than they started out. So, and then they go to Philly to play the Philadelphia Phillies, who just fired their manager. Uh, the la- in the last couple days they fired Joe Girardi. So yeah. Um, but I mean Pittsburgh, I mean not Pittsburgh, Philadelphia has a stacked lineup. I mean, really good hitting. Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, the MVP, the NL MVP last year, JT Realmuto. I like Alec Bohm. He's yeah. not a great hitter, but I don't think Philly liked him very much for a while. I remember when he got getting booed? Oh yeah, he said some stuff. And then he said, was, "Look, it's so." Uh, he's like, "I hear the boos. I hate it." Yeah, he said some stuff. What that I probably shouldn't have said. But. Um, but yeah, they're not a bad team either. So um, we'll see. Um, they should have. I mean, but Philly's really underperformed. Uh, Cincinnati has been pretty bad. Overall. Then it looks like you get the Reds again after Philly. Yeah, so for three more, so you're gonna have seven games against the Reds. Are they still the worst in baseball? Oh, um, or did I make that up? For a while they, they were. They were. Let's see here. The Reds are eighteen and thirty-three. Uh, no, the Royals are sixteen and thirty-four. All right, so they're the second worst. Worst team, team in the National League. They're, yep, they're the worst team in the National League. I mean, for you sure. get seven games in the next ten to fifteen days against yep. the worst team in the NL. That's that's. This is an opportunity. Yep, for it the is. Diamondbacks. It is. Because as we speak, they're one game under 500. Uh, after today's game, they could be 500. By the time you listen to this podcast, they could be 500. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like we talked about earlier, with the trade deadline approaching, you need to start making some of those decisions in June, mm-hmm. even if you're going to make those deals in July. And so games that happen now matter a lot when it comes to what they're going to do with this organization moving forward. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast this week. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher as well. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.